You're tuned in to the MTGG Cable Cast, 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 where they cover Magic, the Gathering Finance. All right? You don't know about it? You're tuned in right now and get ready to learn some shit. Buckle your seatbelts and light a blunt and get ready for the MTG Cable Cast, 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 starring Reptar and Thirsty, them onion head motherfuckers. Alrighty, guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabalcast. And this week, we've got something a little bit different for you. So, this was inspired by an episode of, I believe it was a Yankees podcast, which you saw, which, or listened to, which is disgusting because I hate the Yankees. But good ideas come from strange places sometimes. So, we're basically giving odds on over unders for certain things that we that may happen in the next year with MTG Finance, Hasbro, whatever, whatever, anything that can impact that stuff. It's pretty simple. We've got our questions, we've got our number for the over-under, and we've each got what we're picking. So with that, let's get it started. Yep. Uh, so if anybody cares, the podcast is the Bronx Pinstripes Show. That's the one I listen to, uh, along with some other agnostic baseball casts. But the first item on our list today is the average variation per card from only main set. So this is basically stuff printed into standard. The universe is beyond. It's going to go right to modern, not like true supplemental sets. Yeah. And we are determining this by set number. So that means foils don't count, essentially. If it doesn't get a new set number, it doesn't count. We have the over-under set at 3.5, and we had to ratchet this down last night to get here. Yeah. Personally... I think this is going to be under. I think the average is going to be close to three. It might be a little bit over. And if it's going to be over three, I think it's going to be because of the reason you wanted to set this at like seven, five last night. Uh, I, I took the over uh, because again, I wanted to set it at seven, five. And that was because of the variance we have in all will be one. And I get it. All will be one is a special set. So there's more variance than usual. So we ratcheted it down. I think Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast are dumb enough to print this game into the ground, all the while denying everything that's going on. They are literally the this is fine dogfire meme right now. And that's why I think we're going to be over, because I think that if they see sets like Brothers War Cell, where you had a ton of variance and serialized cards, shattered glass cards, different foiling, whatever. And then you have All Will Be One selling well, and you can sell a complete bundle for some dumb amount of money, even though it really doesn't cost that much extra. Uh, I don't see why they'd stop. Nope. Uh, What got me to to think about this a little critically last time we were talking about it and take the under on three was when we were talking specifically about the pain lands in Dom U. I know they, they come in alt art and alt art foil because those are the ones I'm picking up for personal use, and I know they have regular art but what i wasn't sure of was whether or not there was a full art version of this of those lands and there is not so if that continues to be the case and we get this kind of fractured variance where we don't get a full art then i think this is going to be closer to three than it would be to four let's say though that's not that difficult the one stipulation we didn't put on this is whether or not we're going to see this apply to commons and uncommons like we did in All Will Be One, where you get the step in, yeah. is it step in complete on... Yeah, the step in complete on some of the, like, story-featured cards or whatever the hell they're called now. Yeah, Who knows? yeah. and you can get those in uh, collector boosters, and they, they thus they count as a variant, which will impact this number overall. Um, yeah. It, that one is kind of a wild thought experiment to go through. <laughs> a lot of hoops. Yeah. 
the next item on, on the list is the average set releases per month, including secret layers. So that's everything this time. That's all standard sets. That's all supplementals. That's the uh, mom that's coming up, the yep. March of the Machine or whatever, this weird new product. Everything. We set the number at five and a half. You took on this one. Over. Yep. Uh, look, man, it, secret layers aren't slowing down anytime soon. No. So why not just print more? I Obviously, we have our like set release schedule for the year. They're mm -hmm. kind enough to give us that. And then to update it throughout the year as production delays happen or they need to push something to the fourth quarter to make earnings or whatever. Yeah. So we know like when our like mainline sets are coming. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think with secret layers, I mean, they're pushing out six, seven of these things at a time now. I, they're going to get to 10, I would imagine, by the end of the year, all the while claiming they're not overprinting their product. Their product. So, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah, for me, uh, the reason I took the under here was because we already went through the astrological signs, which guaranteed one a month, and we came up with lands. So unless we go back and run, and run it again, I don't know how much more they want to stretch this out. I don't know what other IPs they want to buy into. And it's not hard to imagine losing on this one taking the under but i don't want to yeah. set myself up for, up for failure at four i thought again it might be close and it might be five if we had you know something to do guaranteed every month like we had with the astrological stuff then i i see five we also don't have on the slate yet any of the showcase uh sets that we sometimes get uh, yep. the, the pioneer decks and I believe those are announced well in advance. So typically, yeah. Yeah, if we do end up getting those most of the way through the year, then this definitely changes that math. But unless we see a th a third Pioneer Regionals come up, so a second for 2023, a third yeah. overall, I find it hard to believe that we'll get those kinds of Challenger decks. And despite the fact that everybody's been clamoring for a second one, I don't think we'll ever get a second modern deck. And among no. uh, the event deck that they made, the Black White Tokens one, I don't think we'll ever get another modern deck. So I'm fine taking the under on that one, but I'm going to set myself up for, I believe, success and take five. Or, well, narrow failure at, yeah. at the under on five. <laughs> All right. BNR announcements per year. We set the number there at two and a half. And I thought last night, I was like, how do you not take the under on this one and then i gave it some thought and i'm taking the over on this one because i think we're going to see not just a standard a possibly a standard band this year but we might see something happen in modern alongside pioneer there's enough noise in pioneer where i expect that to happen so for me ding that's one i think something stupid's going to happen in standard with all the available opportunity to pump your uh, toxic creatures and proliferate at the same time. I think something silly might happen there. And I don't want to say that modern's been stale enough for a long time that something needs to be done. But the longer 2022 seemed to drag on, the more people started playing Underworld Breach in decks that weren't just Is It Grinding Station. Yeah. And we might run into the kind of paradigm that we hit with Wild Nakadal and Deathrite Shaman, which is just every red deck now starts with four Underworld Breach. And so for the health and non homogeny of the format, we're going to cut this card loose. So I'm taking the over, but it's again narrow at three. So I'm taking the under 
uh, and it's simple. They don't give a shit. Uh, like that's and, right. Yeah, and, and 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 this is why I think there's two this year. I will say I think there's two. Okay. I think there's one in Popper because we've seen Blake and everyone else on the committee be very outspoken about where they're at on the format, and yeah. they've said, look. You know, not that the format's perfect. We're looking at it. We think there's something we can do to improve. We're going to let it shake out a little bit more and see where it goes. I think that gets a ban at some point. And I think the other format that gets a ban, if a format gets a ban, is going to be Pioneer. Mm -hmm. And that's because they seem to be paying much more attention to that because of the RCQ season or the RC season or I don't know, whatever they're calling it. Uh, The Pro Tour. All right. It's the Pro Tour. That having a heavy emphasis on Pioneer, Mm -hmm. I think, puts it in a position where they will pay more close attention to that. Now, if we get through the Pioneer season and everything's fine and then we get to the modern season, something's definitely going to happen in modern for the reason you said. But I think we're sitting right at two. And that's actually when we were discussing, okay, last night, where do we want to set these numbers at? When I suggested 2.5 was, I'm pretty sure there's two. I don't know that there's more, Mm -hmm. but I could see maybe there is a world where that happens yeah i thought that there i think there's no way we get a legacy ban on the initiative deck because the format is still kind of figuring itself out like painters up and coming there's a mono black deck coming out of japan that looks to be doing well in the format there's uh, a lot going on so i really don't think legacy needs a ban i think people just need to actually work within the paradigm of the format as we see right now i agree with that so moving past b and r now we're going to look at price a little bit so we're going to go down this list, and we have three different price points we're looking at. And what we are looking at is banded price. So number of cards released this year, so in 2023, that at year's end will be over $30. So we're looking at basically uh, zero, sorry, uh, 30 to 49 yeah. 50 to 99 and then 100 plus. Those are our bands. So we're starting at 30 and the number that we've set is 3.5. And... You are taking on this one? Under. Okay. I just don't think with the variance and everything that there is a chance that that, like, that we get that many that are in the 30 to $49 range. I mean, looking at releases over the last year, I there's none in, in that range, except one, which I'll touch on when we get to 50. Uh, but there's really not much there outside of the Warhammer 40K stuff, which mm-hmm. does have some in that price range. I just don't know that we'll get something like that out of enough sets for it to matter okay so i I, i've got the over on this one and when we discussed uh ahead of the cast i we both were on under for this one but i wasn't too far off from taking the over so i decided to move on this because what i can see is urza lord protector is really close to a 30 dollar card it's like 26 right now yeah and the elish norn that's just hit is uh, over it's in it's in this range it's in 40 yep. and there are some other fairly expensive non-variant cards in one so my expectation is that what like urza lord protector keeps creeping elish norn holds and then we get something else maybe in mom i don't think it's that difficult to see this happen when i already have one card in my favor i need four to get here and i think i'll get them by the end of the year and i'm not cheating i could point to uh shieldred yeah and like oh there we go right but that's why we banded this yeah i think four is very very possible this year we do not know what's going to be in the 
Universes Beyond set. So again, uh, that could add a wrinkle, but I and the Doctor Who stuff. But I really don't expect there to be that many cards in the thirty dollar range after like four or so. On the topic of Universes Beyond, yes. I do want to reiterate again: if the Balrog is not Rakdos, we will riot. I agree with that because he's the Lord of Riots. Yes. Uh, and then the next band is 50 to 99 and we set that at 1.5 and I I'm snapping off the over on this one same and the reason I want to snap off the over on this one is because I can point to the Meat Hook Massacre that rest its peace is still a $46 card literally the card I was talking about Shieldred which is over 60 and the Great Henge, which was 50-plus for however long. I Ever. really, Yeah. I really do not think it's going to be that difficult to find another card to fit this slot this year, now that we already have Shieldred. But it is, for me, it's about having that foundation and understanding that there could be another set that just kind of, like, blows the doors off something with this great, like, EDH card. Because that's where yeah. Meat Hook happened. And while the Great Henge was, as the name said, great in standard... It's better in in EDH and Shieldred is just a constructed all star. Yeah. So we have this kind of trend over the last couple of years of getting at least one really big card that people remember, and I think we we'll we'll get what we need this year. Like now Shieldred wasn't released this year. It was released last year, but I really think we're we'll be able to hit this one five pretty easily. Yeah, I that's basically those were the same cards I thought. And it's it's the thing to me is I I find it very interesting in hindsight that I pick the under for 30 but the over for 50 because I think for me we probably end up with 2 to 3 in the 30 range yeah. and 2 to 3 in the 50 range. Yeah. Absolutely. I like and that's the importance of of banding. Is like the $30 range is for us acceptable before the before Mythics came about? Yep. And that's like one of the reasons Watsi cited when they dis when they announced Mythics. So like we want to change the price point for a deck and make it easier. So instead of having like a dozen twenty dollar rares, you're gonna have you know three to six twenty dollar Mythics and some cheaper yep. rares. And it didn't quite shake out because you the expensive the powerful rares are still expensive. But at the end of the day where we are now this $30 price point is this weird void that doesn't exist anymore a lot of the rares are cheaper than $30 and like some of the like the format warping mythics are 50 yeah. plus or 35 plus and that kind of holds all the way through so yeah it does make sense as to why you took the under on 30 and the over on 50 now for 100 you you I was worried the number you were going to come up with when we discussed this last night and you snapped off 0.5. Yep. On this, I'm gonna I'm gonna go first here because there's only one answer to this for me on the over, and it's when they reprint Monocrypt. Not in the oh, standard. Okay. Oh, but it, you're right. You're right. <laughs> because it's just cards released fair. this year. Yeah. Uh, that that is fair. Uh, I. I actually don't know, and the reason I'm taking the under is because while Monocrypt is the one, I don't know that they reprint it is for me where I'm like, well, maybe not. 
yeah, there's there's no master set, so unless it's in like March of the Machines, it's really going to be hard to find a spot for it. But unless it's on the list, exactly. And then I'll take the over on point five, knowing that Monocrypt is really the only card that fills that void now. Yeah. Now, oh, did you have anything else to add about? No. Okay. That's almost cheating, but I'll give you it. That's you exactly that what I was like. How do I do this? How do I take the over on a hundred? What's the slam dunk card that gets there? It's like it's got to be obviously it's no yeah. longer force of will or drain or and or like or 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 yeah. It's literally this one freaking card. Now staying on on price, we're gonna take a step back and look at bulk, which is something we don't talk about that often. Mm-mm. And the way we did this was basically uh, for commons and uncommons, rate per thousand. So. Yep. Right now, we're setting the the rate at two point five per thousand because the current yeah. is three dollars. I'm got? taking the over on this. Okay. Uh, which may be atypical, you know. Obviously, it's been three for years. Uh, I think the what we've seen over the last year with the resurgence of or with the surge of collector boosters of set boosters is you're getting a lot more financial pressure on commons and uncommons at the low end Mm -hmm. deadly dispute was the prime example of a three dollar common because stores are opening set boosters to get cards not draft boosters there's way fewer commons players are opening collector boosters not draft boosters which have way fewer commons so i see this as basically we are going, well, uh, if this stuff is all going to be in bulk and it's more valuable, yep. the price of bulk goes up to impact that. I also think that more and more stores are starting to adapt like Roku's and sorting machines and stuff like that, which cuts labor, which means you can afford to pay more for bulk because it's not as expensive for you to go through it all. Mm-hmm. So I can very realistically see a world where for common and uncommon bulk, we hit three fifty to four dollars, just because we can effectively do it at that point. And hey, if we're paying that much for bulk, we're getting all the bulk. Yeah. So it makes it a lot easier. Okay, that's fair. I I was taking the under on this one because it just seemed to be the trend. I don't work in bulk at quantity, and I don't want to. I never have. Nor should you. And it just yeah right. And it just seems like you can name your price on bulk, and as long as you're looking to buy enough of it, people will give it to you. So it's for me, it was just that. You know, you could say you're buying bulk at a dollar a thousand, and if you're buying several pallets or not pallets, several thousand bulk, you know. People will just ship it to you because yeah. it's easier for them. So for me, that's why I, I was excited to take the under on on this one. But it does make sense that as you can devote less labor to it to pull out those quarters plus again, bulk becomes a more opportunistic element for you as part of your business model. Yeah. Now that's common, uncommon bulk. Now we're going to look at rares and mythics. And we set the numbers on these for seven and a half cents per rare and 19 and a half cents per mythic because the current price is eight cents and 20 cents respectively for this one i took the under because the reasons that you cited about opening is why i thought the rare and mythic bulk price is going to go down but i came at that from kind of a narrow point of view because i thought about it and a lot of this as non-variant yeah when you're just looking at the set stuff or the 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 standard cards 
you're going to see a lot more downward pressure on that bulk because people are opening collector boosters. They're opening set boosters. They're seeing uh, more variants. They're, they're opening the variants they want, and Suffering are just the set versions of these cards. Yeah, and that's that's part of why I took the over on this one. The other thing is, just as a player, right, typically when you open packs, you separate out the rares and mythics uh, because those tend to be worth more money. Well, when you're opening collector boosters and you get like eight a pack, well, man, I bought two boxes and I have 12 of the Shivan Reef. I'm going to throw like 10 in this box and just put two in a box that I'll build stuff out of. Mm -hmm. I'm going to forget that's in the box. And I'm going to go take that box to my store and be like, eh, it's fucking bulk, man. I don't want it. Yep. Well, there's going to be better stuff in bulk because of variance. Mm. Because when you have stuff like that that creates the negative pr pressure on the base sets, there's also better versions of those variants creating negative price pressure on the regular variants. And as more of that stuff gets opened, again, some of that stuff weeds its way into bulk. Well, sure, it's not that valuable, but it's still bulk. Mm-hmm. At release, full art foil caves of Coleos were like two dollars. Yep. yep. A lot of those ended up in people's bulk. And when that becomes the norm, because now our bulk is populated by set and collector booster pulls, bulk becomes more valuable. I see. So what I you're think saying. your bulk yeah. rares and mythics, like your one row of here's bulk rares and yeah. mythics, well, this stuff is way more liquid than it used to be. So I guess I can afford to pay a little bit more for it. Got it. So this actually kind of that this is why I was very interested to see what you had to say, because this is almost one of those holes in the system because nobody has a bulk price on the variants yet. They get, they just get swept yep. up into these specific categories. So yep. if you had the opportunity to move variants and created a floor for bulk prices mm -hmm. on those variants, you could scoop those as well and create effectively a third bulk number and be your own little niche. That's actually really interesting. And I'm, I'm glad that was the reasoning because, like I said, I came at this a lot of this with a, this just this this narrow mind, and I didn't even think about Popper when I was thinking about BNRs because I don't play Popper. I don't know anybody that does, so it's not a format. Yet I get all the invites to the winner duels. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just a format that that skipped my mind when I was thinking about this. Okay, stepping away from price now, how many C levels will churn at Hasbro this year? These last three are just straight fucking heaters. I oh, threw this great. topic out, and, like, you were so happy that and I said, I so and we're happy. also looking at Hasbro, not just yeah. Watsy. We set the, 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 the over-under at one and a half. Under. Yet again. They okay. don't give a shit. Uh, they voted down the Alta Fox thing. Yep. Bank of America devalued their stock again. Yes. Again. Yep. Saying they're going to lose 29%. And they're sitting there with their fucking coffee cup. This is fine. Nothing's getting overprinted, guys. This is fine. Yep. Look at us making all of this money. This is great because we're making all of this money, even though long term we're killing the game. Uh, not in the good way either, it, like in, in the bad way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they still haven't bought more stock of their own company that they love so much. They're shedding IPs mm -hmm. and selling companies before they're done paying them off. They're just... There's no incentive here. And on these earning calls and these shareholder meetings, there still doesn't seem to be much pressure for them to get the fuck out of Dodge. No. So for me, maybe one, but probably none. Okay. Uh, for me, I I knew I was taking the over on this one, but it took a while to find the other name. And I have two names. 
Hasbro CEO Chris Cox and Watsy CEO Cynthia Williams. Why? Because they are both cited in a call that happened around December 12th talking about monetizing D&D and pushing them to monetize it similar to, quote, the type of recurrent spending you see in digital games. The fuck is that? Well, what do you do? You can only buy... Watsy's going to get back into the model game. You can only buy one fucking model at a time or it's going to be... that They did those tubes, like the click yeah. system. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to monetize each individual fucking page for a PHB? Like, that's ridiculous. No, they're going to change the OGL and get all that pushback and get... Well, yeah, yeah. All right, maybe. And there maybe you are. Now, <laughs> there you have it. I thought she was a has CEO because I was like, something so stupid could have... About... Could have... Said about only D&D, come from only come someone from, from Hasbro. Yeah, There's not, no way. Not Watsy internal, but if they just sat some sat down Watsy and they had an intervention and somebody was like, "I got it, loot boxes in D and D," and they're like, "Not quite, not quite." And so then somebody else was like, "What if we charge them a nickel a page for every book they want, like <laughs> every single one? It'll be great. Everyone yeah. will love it." Yeah, and then then oh. we hit the OGL conversation like literally a month after this stuff, and it just for me it just cut that one. That, that came to light. Um, and then for the, the last, like, two of these items that we have just kind of roll up to Chris Cox and why I think he, he's out the door as well. The next item on the list, how many pieces of Watsi Media will be released this year? And this is everything. This is movies, games, uh, Netflix TV shows. Not happening. Everything. We set the number at 1-5, and we're both taking the under on this one. Yeah, we're getting the D&D movie, folks. That's, That's it. it. And and I do want to specify, this is specifically Wizards of the Coast, not Hasbro. So it doesn't Correct. count Transformers or anything like that. But that Netflix show is never happening. No, especially with all, all the shit that Netflix is in right now and how they just kill shows. There's no way. No way that even, like, from a financial standpoint, when Hasbro sees Netflix announcements, hopefully they're smart enough to just say, this is not the avenue to take. We can't go down this road. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think there may be an exception if we see the return of the number one Magic the Gathering hip-hop collective, The Gathering, fronted by Patrick Chapin. Yeah. I'm waiting for the second album. That's going to be some fire. Anyways. It's true. I it's true. We, you need another Planeswalker to just ruin Standard, though. It's been a minute. Oh, God. And he's dead. He's fucking dead. It's true. Boringly completed into the most boring Planeswalker you've ever seen. Yep. All right. And the last bullet point that we have here, the last item. <laughs> Number of times during earnings calls, total has will deny overprinting. So that is every earning calls this year summed up. Which are quarterly. Yep. So that's four. We set the, the number to seven and a half. I want right. to go first because I'm, my, I'm quick on this one. Taking the under. I expect people knew you would take the over. Because for me... I don't think they say it twice on every call. They'll get they will get a question and they will answer it one time on one call and then just scuttle the conversation the next time. Somebody's just gonna get heated. Yeah, they're just gonna have to like tug the collar, give an answer, and then the next time it comes up just bulldoze right through the that question. That's fair. You're taking the over. Boy am I. If anyone has if you've been listening to the episode, you know I'm taking the over here. Let's be real. Yeah. Uh Man, these guys are idiots. No idea what they're doing. Uh, but boy, they love denial. Love 
denial. And I expect them to say it two times a call. I Maybe not two times a call. An average of two times a call because I'm willing to bet that there exists a world where at some point they will have to field multiple questions or say multiple times, yeah. no, guys, we're not reprinting it. Uh, we're, you know what we're not doing? Overprinting this game. Hey, guys, not overprinting it. Everything is fine. Look at all this money we're making. We're not killing the game. This money is so good. Look at how happy our shareholders are. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm taking the over, man. Yeah. Fuck those guys. They have no idea. Yeah, and I think you might have mentioned it up top. We decided on this topic and, and came up with all these points before uh, Bofa downgraded them again. Yeah. And another financial institution also moved them into a like kind of cautionary tale where they are not looking to sell. They're just looking to hold right now, but they were yep. singularly downgraded. I can't remember who it was. They just did it kind of quietly. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was just... I agree. There's no way they don't get this. And at some point in time, somebody out there, possibly on this board in one of these calls, is just going to go, but what happened to Alta Fox? Yeah. Just wait. What? Where'd they go, guys? What, yeah. What's going on? And that's that's a conversation where I imagine if they mentioned overprinting once already, somebody's just going to bulldoze right through that next one. That in, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, exactly. In my head canon, that's what happens there. However, I'm also willing to bet that in the real world, they just sit down and actually entertain that conversation. And oh, yeah. overprinting is mentioned several times in there because there's, I can't imagine at some point in time with the double downgrades, at least in Q1, especially seeing what happens and what happened in yeah. Q4, that this doesn't get asked multiple times in Q. We may blow it out the water in the Q1 call. Who knows? Yeah, I th there is a possibility that that happens. Yeah. We'll see. All right. Anything else before I move on to picks? Let's move on to picks. You go first this week since I went first last week. Thank you. So. Last week, I picked Hand of the Predators, a nice commander card in the color black, and so we're sticking with that theme, a nice commander card in the color black. Yeah. Now, this one, in my mind, is a is a very a very, very near and dear friend in Phyrexian Reclamation, just absolutely housing value for creatures. Yeah. For one black, you get an enchantment from Urza Saga that says, has an active ability, one and a black, Pay two life. Easy. Up front. Nothing special. Return yeah. target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Period. End of card. Everything else is just flavor text. It, is, it yeah. does what it does. It is not quite as bad as Haunted Crossroads. Haunted Crossroads places it on top. Volrath Stronghold places it on top. Whip of Erebus reanimates, gives haste, and then exiles. There are a lot of parallels, but nothing does it quite like Phyrexian Reclamation, and that's why we're looking at this here. This has been on my list for about a month now, and it's just kind of taken the rocket, and I was hoping it would. It just hasn't moved as much as I would like, and I think that's perfectly okay for us right now where we are. Yeah. Uh, when I put this on my list, Car Kingdom was buying 30 at $1.40. TCG had about 114 uh, LP and near mint at 541. Currently, uh, CK is buying 33 at 250, which is down about 10% from when I put this on my list, but the buy price is still the same, so great. And there are 125 listings on TCG Player for 544, so listings increased, price stayed the same. And again, I think that's fine because this card is actually on the move. Well, if you look at the stocks graph that I brought up. 
yeah when we look at the commander format on the whole if you're playing black and looking to gain utility from your creatures this is one of the best options to look at you want to they kill your grave titan cool here it comes again this time with more friends uh not augur of bolas slave of bolas yeah uh, black version that just utb sack a creature draw cards gain life yeah really good to bring that back uh very yep yeah, like not it Mal Mal Malakir Blood Witch, but like <clears throat> anything else that has just inherent value. Uh, Deathbringer Regent, the Wrath yeah. when you cast it from hand, cool. Multiple Wraths, uh, and it's not just color restrictive. I know I named a lot of black cards; it's just coming to mind. Everything this puts everything back in your hand to retrigger it, and all you have to do is pay one black for the enchantment and one black for the activated. The lightest of splashes. Now, oh, good. Oh no, you're good. All right. When we look at the format, the format. On a whole, this is one of the best looks for creature recursion, not reanimation. Whip of Erebus is reanimation because it puts onto the battlefield. Haunted Crossroads yeah. and Volrath Stronghold are recursion because it puts it back in your hand for recasting. Yep. Right? And it does it for nothing more than two mana and two life. Super efficient. It's This is repeatable across one or multiple turns, and it's very cheap in terms of mana value both to play and activate. And it yeah. also doesn't have timing restrictions like other options. Volrath, Volrath Stronghold can only be done once because it requires a tap on a land. Haunted Crossroads is similar because you can just dump mana into it. Whip of Erebos has both a timing restriction on it as a sorcery and requires a tap. There's an option in Phyrexia All Will Be One as well that I think is similar, but... It has both timing restrictions and requires a tap. It's in the oil cycle. Yeah. Um, every color got uh, an artifact at common or uncommon where you just on upkeep put or when something dies for the black one, I believe, you just put an oil counter on it. Then you can remove some number of oil counters and do this. Timing restriction and requires a tap. This is the only one that doesn't. Whenever now, you want. Yep. Now, this isn't a card uh, that is bound to one aspect of the game versus another in terms of competitiveness of a group or even a quote time in the game early versus late it's just a fantastic utility card that any player in black can make use of for any number of reasons yep. you want to grind out the game with grave pack this has got you you need to trigger an etb multiple times it's got you you need to ensure no one plays cards with you again mind slicer in this has got you it, it does everything casual it's competitive it's a high impact card and just and should start seeing more play yeah and one of the reasons i mentioned that is because it's in the jumpstart booster for this year so it's going to be up and coming people are going to open it they're going to recognize it it'll hit content creators hopefully yep timeline this is like half notes from one half notes from the other but my point yeah. still sense people are going to experiment with one and then they're going to come back to this and they're going to look to rebuild what they have sorry that's the note i had they are going to rebuild what they have with this. They're not going to take this and just jam it into the next big thing. They're going to go back. They're going to look for opportunities to upgrade and adapt. And while that's happening, that's where we'll see this kind of pick up. But we need to wait for like one to kind of hit and go. This isn't new tech. This isn't new hotness. This is just something that exists and kind of works well overall. Uh, and when we take a look at the stocks graph, again, we see that it's been picking up recently. And when we look at TCG player sales, this is, sells at about like 120 a month LP, a little less near mint because this is from uh, Legacy, I said. Yep. So, yeah. like, so old card, hard to find near mint. But there <clears throat> is volume moving. So I think like three months at like the latest, especially with the way everything's going. Jumpstart might put a wrinkle in this. 
not quite sure, but that is also moving. I don't know what the delay, the delay overall is going to look like. Reprint equity. I expect this only in supplementals, as it has to be too powerful for a standard or direct-to-modern reprint. It's been living in jumpstart sets since its limited yeah. appearance in Commander Precons, and that's actually where I expect this to float around, is in jumpstart. This did hit Commander, and the last time it was in a deck was 2015. Eight years ago. It was in 2013, 2015. It was in Mystery Boosters and then both Jumpstarts. And I think it's that kind of limited product that that's where this is going to live. So I don't see this getting reprinted anytime soon. So what we see with Jumpstart 2022 and kind of the stall on market for like the last week while people crack those packs is probably what will happen every time it hits. But I don't think we're going to see a crater in price. We're just going to keep seeing this creep, 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 creep. Now, buy quantity. Right now, this isn't a card to move to a buy list. It's a card you can flip for profit from your binder or back into the open market with minimal downtime. So if you can afford to stock up, I'd go as deep as you need to feel to feed your local scene and stock your yeah. TCG player store. So just like just route it back through the warehouse. I have a few strewn across various commander decks that I wouldn't move. So I'd like to pick up about eight to serve my locals. So those are my numbers. That's fair. I I love this card. Because it's something that, honestly, it's it's not an effect we're probably going to get anytime soon. Uh, like you said, it's too powerful for like a standard or modern. It allows too many shenanigans, and it's not at a price point where I think it needs a like large scale reprint. It's not Mana Crypt, yep. you know, where oh, it's creeping up. We want to be a little bit better about this. And I think the thing is when you mention, you know, this is in the Jumpstart Twenty Two. Well, yeah, this this is the time where we would get this card reprinted because we're back in Phyrexia. But you know what that means? It's only going to go up because it's not going to get reprinted again for a long time Correct. because it is so setting specific. So unless we get a master set with it, which doesn't seem likely since, like you said, it's in Jumpstart and that's kind of where this is going to live. Uh, I don't see us getting it anytime soon at all. And this is the kind of effect that, I mean... You know, look at bad reanimation spells yes. that still have value. Yep. Shallow Grave is dog shit. That card is bad, unless you're a combo deck. Mm -hmm. But this is for combo. This is for value. This is for mid-range. Mm -hmm. This is for control. As you mentioned, you can mind slicer your opponents away. It has a lot of really cool interactions that touch on casual and competitive aspects of the game, and it has that broad appeal. So to me, this is just like a solid banger pickup at $5 all day long. Yeah. Don't care. Yeah. And I, I assume there are going to be a lot of people that have never seen this card. So again, it's when you when it shows up in your binder and somebody reads it, they're just, they might just lose their minds when they read this card. And that's part yeah. of why I think this is an easy flip. It's not well known. It doesn't have a lot of hype behind it from content creators yet it is just a workhorse in the format yeah. very very good yep. thank you big fan you got uh i got something i mentioned in last week's episode yes uh Vishgrass, the yes. doom hive card's insane uh it's five mana for a three three with menace and toxic one now when it ETBs, you get three 1-1 one, one mites or whatever that have infect one, doesn't matter. The first line, the menace and toxic one, and the third portion of the card are what matters. It gets plus one, plus one for each poison counter your opponents have. Now, as you touched on with Hand of Praetors, 
we're probably going to be getting a lot of proliferate stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because of how things are inserted in All Will Be One, the commander cards really only exist occasionally in set boosters and occasionally in collector boosters. But often when they appear there, they're the extended art. Uh, now, you can really only get this reliably from the commander set, where there is a foil version. Now, the non-foil, currently, this card is on pre-sale, is going for around $3. Mm-hmm. I mean, fuck that. This card's going to be a dollar on release. For me, something like this, it reminds me kind of the trajectory of, like, Yerok or Animar or okay, some of yeah, those yeah. old, like, cards that seemed, like, okay as commanders, but as time went on, people realized how valuable they were. Like Moldratha mm-hmm. is a prime example. That card was bulk when Dominaria came out because nobody thought it was good. And then it just gradually, people read the card and realized, oh my god, this card's insane. Really good. Yeah, That's fully what I expect to happen here because yes, while Toxic is not quite as good as, you know, Infect, because you're only getting the number of counters, yep. fine. Don't care. We know our fixed poison now is toxic Mm -hmm. presumably as time goes on we will only get more support for it this is also something that getting plus one plus one for each poison counter your opponents have in a multiplayer format where you have cards now that literally read oh geez yeah all of your opponents get poison counters this can very easily become a one-shot swing with a commander Mm -hmm. um obviously Maybe not, because you need 21 damage, and that's 7 poison for 3 people, so whatever. At any rate, it gets very big very quickly, Yes. and the fact that it has Menace and Toxic in colors that have a very good amount of proliferate, being green and black, not to mention whatever artifacts you have that do it as well, seems like this would be a very reliable infect, sorry, poison Poison. commander. Yep. Unless as you discussed as part of your pick for Hand of the Praetors, they really are just trying to get the rules committee to up this. Uh, the poison counters required in EDH, in which case, this card gets a little bit worse, admittedly, because it's not as good when you need more than 10. Yeah, but this is one of those instances I think we talked about a couple of weeks ago where you just got to make hay. Yeah, the exactly. The shining, right? Like, it's... And, and this is... So, as far as timeline goes... Honestly, I'm not entirely sure, but it's going to be, again, probably a bit longer, like 8 to 12 months. Yeah. Because when you take a look at, uh, you know, Moldratha, at Yerak, at Animar, all of those took quite a while to catch on. Except Moldratha was probably the fastest of the three, but it was still like 8 months. Yeah. So, that said, with this card being at like a dollar, I am more than comfortable picking up 20 to 40 of these things, throwing them in a box... And waiting for the day that it happens. Yeah. Lord knows I have way more Sarkins on ceilings in a box. And that card is way worse than this. I don't even know what Sarkins on ceiling does at this point. It's just a red enchantment with too much text and a meme. But this card, I would be very confident going 20 to 30 deep, throwing it in a box, and more or less forgetting about it until yeah. a rainy day hits. Because this being in what's probably going to be a pretty popular set. Uh, means that short-term, this card's probably going to go down in value, which is, you know, bad for recovery because we have to wait a little bit longer. But when you're waiting longer for a dollar card or a $2 card, it's not nearly as bad as when you're waiting on a $50 to $100 card. Yeah. So for me, 10 to 40 of them. Throw them in a box, check on it in eight months to a year, unless something absolutely busted happens with poison, in which case, man, bring that shit out. It's great. 
so the the interesting thing that I, I like here is when you look at uh, Vishgras over a commander like Damia, which is looking at Abzan yeah. versus Sultai, you're trading out blue for white. And blue offers inexorable tide from Scars of Mirrodin, an enchantment for five, three, two, blue. Whenever you cast a spell, proliferate. Doesn't matter what type of spell, just proliferate. Yeah. Blue did not have a lot of proliferate until we got to War of the Spark, and then it got some interesting odds and ends, like smaller versions of inexorable tide, and only had five. Only has five cards with the word infect on them. Yeah. One, two, three. Four of them are creatures. One of them comes from the Warhammer decks. And yeah. the fifth one is Corrupted Conscience, which is just uh, control magic. And... and it gets infect. Yeah, right. That's it. That's the support that Blue got. That blue gave you, along with just the blue odds and ends. Trading out blue for white, you get the white removal. You get a little bit of protection. But what you actually load up on are all the creatures from this set that say Toxic. You actually don't have to touch Toxic for anything else. You can go with Infect if you want in both green and black, yeah. if, you, if you feel like it. But you get all the Toxic from, like, just an incredible amount of creature support from white. That's the trade-off. You keep green, which allows you uh, doubling season, and not... Does Primal Vigor work on Poison Counters? I thought there was one other one. Uh, I know it's not Parallel Lives. It might... It might be Primal, Primal Vigor? Vigor? Or is it uh, not Unbound Flourishing? Maybe. No, that's what the X spell. Oh, yeah, that's the X one, yeah. Sorry. Right, I'm pretty sure there is, there's two, right? So you get yeah. to keep that between both decks, and the overlap between these basically stays the same. You don't have to worry about it. You just get to decide, do you want to be more like spell slingery or do you want to be more creature combat based? And if you yeah. want to be creature combat based, you don't want to just be infect uh, with the black green portion. Going with uh, Vishgras is the better option overall. One of the downsides I, I talked about for Hand of the Praetors is the idea that poison on the whole as a mechanic is not one that is savory, I believe, for commander i still need to dig on dig in on this i discussed how it is kind of akin to winning in combat with crater huff people just don't enjoy the game ending that way yeah so if there's a neg that i'm going to put on this card it's the same neg i'm going to put on hand of praetors which is just that if this is just it might be narrow and yeah. that's it but at the end of the day if you're looking to serve biolist and tcg player then it doesn't matter how narrow this is because you can just toss it up and let it sit there until it sells if yeah. you're looking to move this locally it might be a little more difficult depending on your locale and how people feel about poison counters on the whole otherwise i really like this card i did not realize i got plus one plus one for each poison counter your opponents have that allows you to close out the game very quickly especially it with does. something like rogue's passage it doesn't take a lot and nope. as you mentioned we also got a number of cards in this set that just give your opponents poison counters for casting them. Everybody loves Iker Rats because everybody gets a little more sick. And at the yep. end of the day, when you can have four plus copies, quote unquote, of Iker Rat, why not? You can just jumpstart the process. And like you said, you still have proliferate across all those colors thanks to one and also War of the Spark added proliferate. I think there's actually like Landfall Proliferate yeah. from War of the Spark. Like, 
it's very easy to just take the game over with that and proliferate out poison counters once you can do this. I think it's a really good look. It is a card I did not read. I did not expect to actually be this good coming out of the commander decks. And the color pairing is a lot better for the the combination of Toxic and Infect that I talked about last week with Hand of the Predators yeah. than I initially thought. When I was talking about Hand, I thought you'd be like Demir or Gruul, Infect, uh, slash Toxic, and like really dedicate to it. I did not read either of these two generals. Yeah. And this, this this is the better one, and it's the alternative one, yeah. uh, which was interesting to me that the better one was... like, And it's not even close, this one's better. Like, just in a vacuum, this one seems way better than uh, the other. It happens. Uh, in the Riku deck, the Teamer deck, had Anamar the Soul Eater as an alt-general. Like, yeah. Because because Riku was what they wanted you to do. They wanted you to copy Nuklevi. Woohoo. They didn't want you to cast creatures with Anamar. They wanted you yeah. to just... Use the Izzet ability to copy spells and the Simic ability to copy creatures. And yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. Animar just happened to be in there. So, like, yeah. whatever. So, obviously, the deck is trying to do something that isn't just poison your opponents out. But at the end of the day, I think this is a great card to do just that. I think this is a great card to sit on for a while. Like you said, you can move them locally, just stack four a time in a binder and reload as they move and, you know, make your money where you can. I don't think we have to worry about that. Poison counter up update, I would not operate like that's going to happen. But if you want to yeah. use that to inform your buying decisions when you're looking at a number of specs in front of you, then by me by all means, you know, do so. Yeah. Um and if you wanted to play even a combative game at fifteen or twenty poison, swinging is the easy way to do it. So these also still hold value afterwards. Yep. So, I like the pick overall and I'm excited to get poisoned out soon. Reprint leeches. Yeah. People, Please. But yeah, people keep looking for ways to get rid of poison counters. They, it's as, just leeches. Yeah, it's aside, just leeches. Aside from losing the game, it is the card leeches. Yep. Oh, you Thanks can play leeches in this. Leeches Oh, in you white, can! Right? Holy that's amazing! <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Love it. It's a race to see who could find leeches first. It, yeah, it's just yeah. a white card. Yep, just white. Not reserve list. Oh, it is part of the reserve list. Ah, it that's is part of the reserve list, list yeah. People get so mad. The card is so bad, but people get so mad. I know. It's terrible. It is awful. It's a card from Homelands. Of course it's ass. Yeah. Target player loses all poison counters. Leeches deals that much damage to that player. You can't... Okay, so you can't even make this card better and reprint it by removing the last line. Holy no, crap. you can't. It's oh just bad. Yeah, it is. Uh, you have a... Solemn... No, you can't take them off. Solemnity just stops him from going... Ah, whatever. Yeah. Aether Snap. Okay. A, a throwback to one of your your glory. It does that? Is it's? Oh nope, it's from all permanents. Oh, You're so not a permanent. Players. Yeah. Oh god, there's a way to do it in an unset. You can make a player a card. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Thanks, unsets. Yeah. And on that, nothing. I'm closing out this episode. So yeah, <laughs> we are at MTG Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Patreon, and YouTube. If you want to find us on Twitter, I am at Halt I am Reptar. You are at Thirsty Sizzler. We'll see you next week. <laughs>